Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Welcome to The Jump. Presented by Michelin Wiper Blades. Last night, the Houston Texans linebackers dressed up as Mortal Kombat characters. And Mac, you know that the Rockets have their drip on all the time. They have that red carpet back in Houston. Do you think they can top their cohorts on the NFL team there? Oh, that was, I, I actually like this. I don't know if the Rockets can top that. That's I don't know about good. the, the uh, showing, showing the, the pets. <laughs> That's strong. That's strong. Well, wait a minute. Russell Westbrook, a current member of the Houston Rockets when he was an Oklahoma City member, had the sweatshirt oh, yeah. with the pecs cut out. It's not really and a sweatshirt. Other things? What, what, it's something else. I don't know. If, if it doesn't, if it's not, it's not a shirt. If it has like a half a shirt missing. Missing? I don't know. You okay. are wearing. Look at Zach Lowe's no, drip Zach, today. Oh, this right? week. With the little penny this, thing. This week, I got to right? give it to your brother. Boom! This is the jump. I'm Rachel Nichols, and in fact, this is Zach Lowe, our senior writer, host of the Low Post podcast. And that is the guy who is always dressed in style, Hall of Famer, the walking bucket, Mr. Tracy McGrady. Ooh, and look, he's got the little thing on his collar, too. We're we're doing it today. It's a Friday. Coming up, Jimmy Butler called Joel Embiid the best player in the league. Is that BS or real talk? We'll discuss that later. First, though, the Clippers and Rockets have already played each other once this season, and it was, well, Eventful. James Harden dropped 47 points. Russell Westbrook insulted Patrick Beverly by saying he tricks everyone into thinking he plays defense. And in my favorite part of the evening, Doc Rivers got upset with the officials and then watched his son Austin beg the refs to tee him up and toss him, which they did. I would say that's going to be hard to top when the two teams meet again at Staples Center tonight, except this time we're throwing Paul George into the mix, setting up what could be an absolutely fascinating case of that age-old physics problem, the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. I mean, we all know how ridiculous James Harden has been over the past few seasons, and yet somehow this season, he is even more ridiculous. That absolutely lethal three-point step back? He has made nearly double as many so far this season as anyone else in the league. He was averaging 42 a night during the Rockets' eight-game winning streak, and even now, Harden is still getting to the line even more than he did last season, which, you know, is dangerous for a guy who makes 87% of his free throws. Nuggets coach Mike Malone said that watching game film of Harden is, quote, like watching a horror movie. And if the Clippers need any reminder of that, they can just microwave up some popcorn, throw in tape of that aforementioned game against the Rockets from last month, where in the final six minutes alone, Harden scored 17 to win the game. Then again, maybe that tape won't tell them much, since at that point, Paul George had yet to return from shoulder surgery. And also that night, Kawhi Leonard re-injured his knee, which would lead to him missing a three-game stretch. Now, both men are back. And while they've only played once together so far, even in just those 53 minutes against the Celtics, we got the predictable result of what happens when you take a group of players that were already smart and super active defenders and then add two guys whose names have littered the NBA all-defense team this past decade. Boston came into the other night with the fourth most efficient offense in the league, but came out of it being held to 39% shooting, just 27% from three, and that was before the Clippers had a single practice altogether. 
LA can switch everything. They will take your pick and rolls and set fire to them. They have guys whose go-go gadget inspector arms will disrupt your passing lanes and bait you into turnovers. Are they going to be able to do all of that to Harden tonight? Will they double him early in possessions like Denver did? And if they do, can Russell Westbrook and Clint Capella make them pay? Will Pat Bev go after Russ for those he's tricking you comments, which Russ seemed to dumple down on just yesterday after practice? And maybe most importantly, will Austin Rivers get himself reinvited to the family Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner by being nice to his dad tonight? No turkey for you. It should be quite the night where we get to see some basic questions of physics answered, or at least a really good basketball Gotta get the game. Scraps, Austin. Scraps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, he doesn't get to go to the stuffing table first. T Mac James Harden had. 27 points against the Nuggets on Wednesday, which for him is just a chilly, cool-down performance. But he did give the Clippers 47, right? So do you think the Clippers can hold Harden to under 30 the way Denver did? Well, first let me say this. I've never been more excited uh, than watching two teams play. I mean, I I think the Clippers are replacing Golden State in terms of watching Houston. Mm, Right, go at it. Right. I want this to be a playoff series. Like, I really want this so bad to happen. Um, to answer your question, I think James is going to get his numbers tonight, but I think it'll be a low percentage shooting. Hmm. I mean, you, you can't really stop this guy from getting his 40 points because right. he, 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 sh- he shoots a barrage of threes. He knows how to get to the free throw line. He's going to get his shots up. So um, if they could do a good job of, you know, holding him to like 35 38% uh, shooting from the floor – They've done their job, but I still suspect that he will get 30-plus. I mean, and, and and you look at the defenders that's going to be guarding him. These are elite defenders, so I don't see much of a double team tonight. I think they're going to take pride in trying to guard him one-on-one. Yeah, I agree. The Clippers uh, Clippers aren't going to – I would be shocked if they did that, you know, first matchup with both of their stars playing. Mm-hmm. See what, see how they do. See how they handle it. See if Bat, Pat Bev will get some shots at him. Mm-hmm. You know, Harkless will get some shots at him. I agree. He's getting 30. It might be on 9 of 26 shooting with a bunch of free throws because, again, he's facing the guys we just named. Mm-hmm. But it's just he just shoots so much and gets to the line so much, it's hard to hold him under 30. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, it happened just the other night, and therefore I don't expect it to happen again twice in one week. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, look, you've also got the duo factor of Russell Westbrook chiming in there. Do you think if you just look at all season, not just tonight, the Westbrook and Harden duo is more effective or the Kawhi and PG duo? Because, look, the Westbrook-Harden duo is two former MVPs, right? Um, Where do you see Kawhi and Paul George? Neither one of them has won a Most Valuable Player award. But I think right now a lot of people would see them as as being in the forefront. Where are you on that? Yeah, yesterday, today, tomorrow, the full season, I'm taking Kawhi and PG. Just just the two elite defenders – both of them can shoot threes. They complement each other. It's a, it's a natural, easy fit. Whereas Russ's jumper, we're on kind of year three of it being broken. And, you know, that hasn't been a big issue for Houston so far because Harden's been amazing and Russ has them running and running and running. Mm-hmm. Their defense, I think, is number two in the league over the last yeah. ten games. So it hasn't really um, it hasn't really hurt them. But, you know, at the very April, May, June, when the competition's the highest, I'll take Kawhi. Yeah, when you're talking about the better duo, I mean, when we talk about James and Russ, it's – primarily all of offense, right? right? And it's two sides of the ball. I mean, they both, both I will say, they have both buckled down on defense after that really weak start. Well, well what's their greatest strength, right? right? It's, yeah. it's offense. Absolutely. So both of these guys' greatest strengths are offense and defense. They both can give you 25, and they're a late defender. So I always go with guys that are elite at on both sides of the ball. Has Russ done what you expected him to do in this offense so far? Do you think that there's still growth for him? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, I, I think he's done, he's done pretty well. I, the result, I think they're plus nine per hundred possessions with Harden and Russ on the floor together, which is really good. Um, he hasn't shot. I, I expected him to shoot a little bit better on catch and shoot threes because he's so open now and he hasn't. So I, I think he's going to have to shoot some baseline percentage for them to really like make the finals and do the stuff that they want to do. But I think, you know, he's pushing the pace, getting James some rest. I mean, James is resting on the court a lot, which they need him to do. And right. so I think it's working all right. Yeah. Russ, about three years ago, I mean, his jumper, his mid range was probably one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't been the case. Over the last couple of years, I don't know what's happened. Maybe, you know, being injured, having surgeries and, and mentally kind of uh, messing with his psyche a little bit. Because I remember, I mean, he was a phenomenal mid-range shooter. Yep. Called it his cotton shot. Right. If, he could it. Get, if he could get back that to that point where he's coming downhill full speed and stopping on the dime and, and making that shot at a high rate, I mean... They could be unstoppable, really. Yeah. Well, we will see tonight again. Unstoppable, immovable. Find out what happens. Coming up, Brandon Ingram is balling this season. Sure Continued is. that last night. Will the Pelicans regret not extending him before the season began? Stay tuned for that. First, though, it's time for our distant replay. It's this date in 2009. Do you know Kobe Bryant, Mac? Have you ever heard of him? Oh, Jelly Bean. <laughs> Jelly Bean Bryant. Over the glass. Uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Let me just do that. Sure. Some guy just had me in his house just watching karate flicks. <laughs> Not a little earlier than that year. Yeah, a little earlier than that. It's a make or miss lead. It's a make or miss lead. <laughs> I don't know, man. Make. Miss. Uh, it's a make or miss lead. That was Notre Dame hitting a wedgie. Shout out starters late in the fourth. They actually did hit a buzzer beating three to send the game to overtime. They eventually won. Did you ever do this, team? Nope. No, you Not can't once? even get it all Not the way once up. ever? It's wow. hard to do. It's rare. Not as a professional. Maybe <laughs> as a high schooler. But not the the tip-in wedgie right, right there is yes. very rare. That's yes. the rarest. The dunk or tip-in wedgies, that's very rare. <laughs> somebody tracks this. You know that somebody Please. has yeah. tracked this. Somebody right? tried to find footage of me shooting the wedgie. And Please. then maybe. That's your homework for today. <laughs> Internet, there you go. Yeah. Let's go make combos. Drew Holiday has Dario Saric in a switch. Let's see what he does. Oh, he makes him pay a little bit here. Oh. oh, that's not bad. I think he hit him with. Yeah, that's not I mean, bad. Was, really, he had to go to like third move. Three crossovers. Get, yeah, Lonzo, I mean, Lonzo went river dance. What, what do you? And he still contests. Are you is there anything you would have wanted Dario to do differently, or you feel like he did the most he could? No, he made him do three moves. He had to go to the third move in his bag. <laughs> Good defense. Good defense, Dario. Good defense. There Don't let go. him pick on you. Where's I, the help? Well, <laughs> can pick on that. That's why they lost Drew three was, in a row. Drew's had a good couple games, I would like to say. Um, that was a fun game last night. Miss matchups. End of the first half. Mello decides to wave off CJ McCollum. Ooh, okay, Mello. Second game back. All right. Mm-hmm. Drives in. <laughs> Gets denied at the rim by First Brooke Lopez all, and Giannis. I love you, Mello. Right. I don't even know if, he, if there wasn't no defense there, he's gonna make that. Right? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you're the wave off. The wave off oh, is no, Mello. You know. <laughs> His first possession of the game, he ISO'd on Giannis. Didn't go well. That that didn't go well. Didn't um, go look, well. Again, he's getting his no, lift. I, I got him. I got him. An elevation back, maybe. Yeah. He's a man well in his mid-30s. 
Exactly. And he did play well last night, and he hit a few threes, right? Yeah, yeah. So walking made shots. There you go. Make crosshairs. J.J. Reddick came out firing last night as well, made his first five shots, his first three three-pointers. Marksman. J.J.'s still getting it done. That's what he does. He's, he's a shooter. These guys never miss the playoffs. No, and they're starting to make a little run he now. They're back, they're back JJ, in the race JJ now. told Zion Williamson when they got into training camp, don't mess up my streak. Don't mess the streak up. That's incredible. Right? He used some profanity, wow. actually. When I, he that. did. And I just I actually had to think in my head to not say it because it's Friday. It's that kind of day. And yet I didn't do it. And for me, miss settling. <laughs> the Brandon Ingram reboot continues. He balled out last night on his way Ooh, to 48 points. Cool. Right? He looks Suki good, smooth. guys. 15 points in the fourth quarter. This is what won the game for them. He looks relaxed. Right? He's comfortable, man. Sometimes guys need a change of scenery. Absolutely. And we always knew he was going to be the jewel sort of in the deal, right? It's not like he was dealt in this trade where people were like, oh, he's past it. He was the guy. He was, was no, he was the most desirable. Desirable guy. He's shown um, it. But, you know. Damn right. Obviously, mm. there was some uncertainty about him coming mm-hmm. off the blood clot situation. And even now, I would say, like, I mean, obviously, he looks completely healthy. Is by all accounts, completely healthy. I'm in no way saying he's anything but completely healthy. I will say, and this is going to be relevant to our next discussion, when Chris Bosh had his blood clot issue, remember, he sat out the rest of that season, came back after the summer, felt fine, looked fine, played so well, he made the All-Star game, and it was at Toronto's All-Star game that they found the blood clots Mm -hmm. again. Um, Brandon Ingram, look, he's enjoying career highs right now. Points, rebounds, assists, fourth year of his rookie deal. He will be a restricted free agent this summer. They had the chance to extend him, but GM David Griffin said on local ESPN radio, he just didn't think anyone expected this start to the season from Ingram. Do you think, Zach, that the Pelicans are regretting not having him sign that extension? No, I mean, it's the kind of thing that seems obvious now, right? But at the time, you're talking about he had played no games for Mm -hmm. the Pelicans, and it's unusual for a team to trade for somebody who's not a star and extend them without getting to know them as a player. And he was coming off a health issue that I think – from what I've been told, was distinct from the Bosch and Mirza yeah. Toledovich kind of clots. But still, it's, it's, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look, it, right now, is he on track to get a max offer? Yes, he's the bell of the ball in free agency. Everybody else extended. But I don't, I don't think you can go back and fault the Pelicans and, or that they should feel regret for the decision. Yeah, I, I can't fault them. Um, you know, looking back on that situation, however, I would say this. Like, this kid is – he has a few things going for himself. I mean, the motivation of – Getting out of L.A., really getting the opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to showcase his, his ability. Um, I think Alvin has put him in a great situation. This this style of offense is uh, really tailor-made for a guy like him. Um, Zion going down with all the hype. Mm-hmm. Who knows what type of, you know, uh, usage rate he would have yeah, if, Zion, if Zion was there. So just like my situation when I was in Orlando, I mean, who knows that. I was to go out there and, and average 26, 27 points when a guy like Grant Hill goes down, right? I mean, I'm I'm the third, fourth option in Toronto, and then I sign this max deal, you know, thinking Grant Hill is going to be this guy. Right. And then he goes down, and okay, let's see what you have. And Brandon Ingram is just taking advantage of the opportunity with Zion being out, and he's averaging 25 points. So uh, he's going to be a highly recruited free agent. In offseason. And you can look at the list. That's uh, the guys who did get extended. And there almost seems, Zach, to be a little bit of a domino effect where suddenly one team was doing it and then the next team did it. And then we saw the Celtics doing it with Jalen Brown. And guys basically not wanting to have 
the restricted free agent that everybody would go after. Once there's less and less seats in that musical chairs, your guy could potentially be the one getting bigger and bigger offers. So we see Brandon Ingram. We see Bogdan Bogdanovich is the other one we kind of expect. And the advantage all their current teams have is it's restricted free agency. Mm -hmm. So you have that safety net if you don't extend that, hey, we always know we can come and match it. There can be poison pill contracts, though, that people come along and offer. Is it what's what's sort of your most notorious poison pill restricted free agency contract? Well, all the ones that the Nets did when they were just trying to make everybody mad with <laughs> right. Otto Porter and Alan Crabb and Tyler right. Johnson. They had they put everything in there, like fifty percent right. payment up front, just everything as painful as possible. So yeah, and we've we've seen that a little bit. The Tim Hardaway Jr. right back and forth and yep. back and forth with the Knicks and all of that. So we'll see if anyone does that with Brandon Ingram uh, this summer. It's going to be interesting. All right. We'd now like to pay our respects to a true pioneer of diversity. On Wednesday, the sports world lost Wat Misaka, the first person of color to play in the league that was the predecessor to the NBA. Misaka, a Utah native of Japanese descent, was drafted by the Knicks in 1947. Only played three games with the franchise, but they were historic. And in a 2018 visit with Steph Curry and the Warriors, Misaka lamented having to play against big men, even in his era. He said, when you think about 5'7 against 7-footers, it's impossible, he said. It wasn't impossible to set an example for change, though, and Masaka did. He was 95. Double header for you tonight on ESPN and the app. Oh, this is going to be good. First Sixers, 8 o'clock Eastern, and then it's Rockets Clippers. Our coverage begins with NBA Countdown. That's tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Welcome back to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols, still hanging out with Zach Lowe, Tracy McGrady. I probably shouldn't need to point. People know. Which one he is which? <laughs> the, the talented tall one is over there. Um, it's time for BS or Real Talk. We give you the quotes. You give us emojis to react to them. The ball deserves to go in the crowd after a bull move like that. I think it's bull. I just thought it was uh, bull. Don't give me that crap. Recent interview with The Athletic, Jimmy Butler discussed his close relationship with Joel Embiid despite leaving for Miami in free agency. You know these two still keep in touch. So the quote from Jimmy is, I always tell him, continue to show why you were the best player in the league because I saw it. I saw it. He can do everything. Like, legit. He can do everything. So, guys, Embiid being the best player in the league signs up BS or Real Talk. I mean, look. I, I wish there were a, a middle a middle ground here because Joel Embiid has the potential to be the best player in the league, but he's he's uh, I think we've yet to see him in peak 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 conditioning, mm-hmm. and it's just impossible to argue right now that he's better than Giannis and LeBron and some of these other guys. So I, I'm going to have to go beat him. This is Jimmy Butler trying to soften out Joel so he doesn't. Get That's all this is, but I mean Giannis, AD, Bron, just three guys that I will take in front of Joel. But, Never I mean, mentioned James Harden. He's he's got the potential though. Oh, yeah, he's he, got the potential. There's other guys I would take. <laughs> I just named three, but I mean, yeah, he definitely has the potential. But no, he's not the best player in the league. So you think he's got to be in, as you said, peak physical shape? Is there anything else you want him to see to add to his game where he can really actually legit compete with Giannis? Yeah, and those other guys? I, I want to see him dominate in the interior. Okay. That's where I think he can make a living and and punish. You know, defense. It's crowded in there, Tracy, yeah. with Ben Simmons too. To me, it's the it's it, it's turnovers too. He's been a little turnover prone, but again, to your point, a lot of that is there's bodies, there's bodies everywhere. The it's passing crowded? lanes are narrow. Yes. That corner three I just seen Ben Simmons hit. That was the one. <laughs> Get out there, man. Hey. That corner three. Yeah. <laughs> that one 
corner three. We all want Ben to shoot more. If he does, it will change things for Joel Embiid. Next up, the Lakers. They have the best record in the NBA, and tonight they begin a four-game road trip in Oklahoma City. Now, yesterday, Anthony Davis spoke about how Coach Frank Vogel is preparing them for the fact that this road trip is going to be tough. You know, we talked about that today, that um, hopefully not, but soon enough adversity is probably going to hit, and we're going to go through, you know, a stretch where something is happening. Um, and, you know, we prepare for that. So um, we got a lot of veteran guys who, you know, been through tons of adversity, you know, through their throughout their career and, um, you know, mentally preparing guys for it. And uh, we have a veteran coaching staff as well who, who's been through it, and um, we're trying to make sure that we stay ready for it. All right, guys. AD saying adversity going to hit. BS or real talk? That's real talk. Okay. I mean, can we name out of LeBron 16 years, 17 years, teams that has never dealt with any adversity? Right. No. I mean, he's playing with LeBron. Drama. Of drama. And he's drama. playing for the Lakers. Whether it's going to be some injuries or some, you know, a, a losing streak or something, it's going to happen. It happens to every team. Yeah, no team gets through a season without some yeah. adversity. I mean, look at the Suns. They, you know, they got off to a hot start. Rubio's hurt. Baines is hurt. Suddenly they're 500. This is just the reality of the NBA. That said, the only adversity, the only adversity that really, really hurts the Lakers is if one of those two guys gets hurt. And then, then it becomes real adversity. As long as those two guys are healthy, it's, you know, you'll get some nicks here and there, but you'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. And look, scheduling to uh, the Lakers first half of the season is a little bit easier schedule than the second half of the season. But you can only play the games in front of you, and the key is to win the games that are supposedly easier to win, and they have been doing that. So um, I look for them to have a good road trip. We'll see what happens here. Giannis, another dominant performance, dropping a triple-double and a win over the Blazers last night. Sorry, producer Bodmer, our Portland native. He scored 24 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists. These numbers are ridiculous, and I just keep saying them every day. Um, Carmelo Anthony actually thought the Blazers' defense did a good job on Giannis. Here's his full quote. Giannis is Giannis. He's a tough check. I thought tonight we actually did a pretty good job, even though we had a triple-double. When you look at that, it's like, oh, we had a hell of a game. But I thought for the most part we were back on him. We loaded up on him. Is that BS or Real Talk, friends? Boom. Nice. Melo is right. Noted expert on NBA defense Carmelo Anthony is correct. They did what are you, they did what you're supposed to do, which is pack the lane, force him to kick out the shooters. Those guys made shots. He was not. Giannis was nine of twenty-seven. They did the, you know they did the best they could. You just had to get a shot in there. You yeah. had to get a shot of Melo uh, in there. For for a guy that's shooting sixty-one percent on the on the season, I mean, take twenty-seven shots to get twenty-four points. I said yep. he did a hell of a job, and he shot thirty-three percent as you can see on the screen for that night. So yeah, they did a great job. One for seven for threes. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I do like the seven part of that one for seven, though. Me too. Right? And he took Anytime, them. this is a regular season. All those little X's outside the three-point line, I'm okay with them. Just keep keep taking them. Man. They will eventually go into little green circles. 15. <laughs> right, right. It's That's a lot, his off it's a lot of stuff. That's his, like, it's a eh. lot of stuff. It is amazing when you look at the numbers. Giannis is having a better year than last year. And he won MVP last year. And he still hasn't, quote, added the outside shot the way we all keep saying, He's, like, oh, if he adds the outside shot. He's doing it more. And to my point, like, I... Just keep trying because eventually they will convert into making them. He made four threes the other night. That is his career high ever in a game. Um, you want him to be making more and more consistently before you say he's added the outside sure. shot, right? Sure. He's made so he made um, some long twos too. He looks kind of comfortable, right? He looks like it looks good. Yeah. It looks pretty comfortable. It's like repetition and practice yeah. actually helps a athlete. Yep. Weird. Um, Chris Paul asked about the coaches challenge recently. There have been 138 challenges this season. Only 52 have been overturned. I actually think that that's 
notable. Um, here's what CP3 had to say. Quote, it needs a lot of work. I don't even know if I can say that because I'm on the competition committee. But one of the things I wish is that if you challenge it, you at least get to keep your time out. I don't think the way it is now makes a lot of sense. I actually talked to Chris Paul about this the other night, so I'm glad that he went on the record with it as well. Do you guys think him saying that the coach's challenge needs work is real talk or BS? Real talk, both, yeah. All right, what would you do to it, Tracy? Get rid of it? Would you do something to it? Well, we talked about this the other day, and my only thing is I just don't like it in the first three quarters. Yeah. I think it's it'll be more valuable to both teams if you can, uh, and it'll speed up the game as well, if you can have it um, in the first, well, the last five minutes of mm-hmm. a game, not use it through the whole game. I just like the, the last five minutes of a game. First of all, they need to improve the green light. It should be like a siren with an angry coach face on it or something blinking, blinking. It should blinking be a red off. flag like in the NFL. I don't no, understand why like, 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 like Quinn Snyder's angry <laughs> face blinking on and off. That would be amazing. Uh, I kind of think, I agree with Chris that I, I think you should get to keep your timeout. If you only have one timeout left and you use it and then you're coming down to the wire and you have no timeouts because you were right on a challenge, right. that doesn't seem fair. I have heard some people say, that you should keep a challenge, no, no, if, no, no, and no, I'm 100 percent out. No, one I I low key like the coach's challenge. I think it's kind of been good, and I but I like it because you get one and that's it. One delay, that's it. I like it because I think these numbers are telling you that we need it. And again, I, I want to make the point: this does not mean that nearly 40 percent of calls officials make in a game are wrong, and that if they were all examined, they'd be overturned. You are looking at particular calls that coaches think that they were wronged on. So there's just a much higher percentage mm-hmm. there. But the fact that we're identifying these plays and then they are, quote, getting them right 40% of the time that they would have been getting them wrong. Otherwise, we've seen several games now. I can think of two or three that completely turn that Clippers-Celtics game just the other night that was fantastic. The Celtics would have had gone to the line, right, and had free throws, and it would have been a different ballgame. You know, one of the things I like about it is that we've seen this a few times already. It rewards good defense in that if a star player drives and someone swipes at him, the default is like, well, that's that's a star. He got fouled. And, like, we've seen a couple where they go back and, like, no, that, that role player, that swipe got all ball. And, like, let's overturn that. I like that about it. I do like your idea, Trace, because I've heard last quarter, but I even like last, last five, five minutes, minutes better, right? When well, it's but a game-changing. Yeah. yeah, but when it's anything outside the last five minutes of the game, there's so much scoring in basketball. Like, Absolutely. you can make it up. Yes. You can make up a bad call. <clears throat> but that's my you point. You don't want it where the time is ticking down and you can't make it up anymore. That's on the coaches. No coach should use it. They should already know that. But there's that. pressure from the players, and we have seen this mm-hmm. too already, right? Where like you'll see the players walk off the court in the second quarter. Yeah, everyone is like doing this way too much. There's just a lot of there's this lot in of, every NBA game. I don't. It's everyone is doing it all the time. Yes, on exactly. plays that are not really deciding factors of the game. Right, so but that's guys, why I don't like it. But here's the thing: as a player, don't you think a you never actually committed a foul once in your life? And, right, yeah, thank you. And you think you were fouled all the time. So you have players where, <laughs> yep, exactly, where the power dynamic, right, and we know of a couple teams like this where we say, oh, that guy runs the team, or, you know, oh, mm. if someone has to go, it's going to be the coach. The power dynamic is that the star player, if in the second quarter he wants that coach's challenge, it can become like a thing. Last five minutes. Last five minutes seems like you're then taking that out of it. I wouldn't leave it up to the coach because sometimes they don't have control over The player's got to be smarter than that. If you got to save it for crunch time. It is, we have to save time in our show for crunch time, so we're going to go to break. Here's what the Jump recommends for today. Hey, it's Zach Lowe's 10 things I like and don't like, including Ja Morant, which producer Steve is very excited to get to. We will discuss what makes Ja special and some of Zach's other things in the next segment. Stick around. All right, let's talk about the Heat. Just one game off the top spot in the East. More surprising, though, is something Zach brought up recently in his 10 things column. You can find that on ESPN.com and the app. 
you asked if Bam Adebayo might be their best player, and that means we're reviewing our newest graphic, the Bam Wagon. Why am I wearing a Canadian tuxedo? I just, we thought that was the most appropriate for you. Which says a lot about how we feel about you. Um, there's plenty of room still on the bandwagon. I think George Sedano has a reserved seat also. Yeah, but you sure. have been very big. You already have the Pascal Siakam bandwagon. So we wanted you to get the bandwagon as well. You'll have to alternate, keep both in the driveway or whatever. But Look, Jimmy Butler is their best player. What I said was Bam so far this season has been their best player. Jimmy missed three games, all this stuff. So like, But Jimmy is their best player. But Bam is unbelievable. Bam is absolutely unbelievable. He's had a great all-around season. Do you think that's going to help? the heat ceiling this season yeah i mean yes bam has been playing well a lot of their young guys have really surprised me and how they're they've been playing um the ceiling for this team i could see definitely going to make the playoffs i could see them winning a playoff series i just don't know if they're they have enough uh to make it to the conference finals but yeah they definitely will win a series are you on the bandwagon that's really the question. Yeah, he's planned well. You got to show a little more enthusiasm than that if you want to get on the bandwagon. <laughs> okay, next time I will. <laughs> I think I, I think the they're driveway. they're even better than I thought they were going to be. Yes, I think their ceiling right now is second round and like a little break away. Like someone gets injured, yeah. and they make a trade in the middle of the season that helps them from being even more dangerous than that. The Heat are good; they're legit. Mm. That bandwagon's coming back. I'm just saying. Good choice. I, just, I like that the hats are there. Bam is Bam is looking a little more silent in his hat than you do in yours. 14 points, saying. 10 boards, five assists, block and a half, steal and a half. What's That's happening ridiculous. to your stomach in that picture? You have like a Russell Westbrook breakaway shirt there too. Like, I don't. I can't comment <laughs> on the making of that graphic. I had nothing to do with it. I'll move on to the Western Conference. I want to borrow from your 10 things column again. Quote. John Morant is real, R-E-A-L, capital letters. He leads all rookies in points and assists. What do you think is making him so special? He's super-duper fast, obviously, but what makes him special is when he gets into those tight spaces, he's got change of pace and hesitation dribbles. He confuses defenders who think they have him. He's a very crafty player, but you know what it really is, though? That first home game where he blocked Kyrie Irving at the buzzer and talked all sorts Mm. of junk right in his face, whatever it is... John Moran has it. He, he has it. He's not afraid. He's, it reminds me of Donovan Mitchell as a rookie. Like, yeah. whatever you thought, like, that dude is fearless and he's ready. Whatever it is, they got it. Everything he just said. Yeah. Uh, he's very athletic. Uh, he's a fearless guy. He attacks that well. Mm-hmm. He's a right-hander that loves to play left. Mm-hmm. He uses his left a lot. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal to watch. Memphis, they, they have a, a franchise player in this kid. And uh, he's only going to get better. And that's his outside shot. Yeah. Once he develops that, you know, perennial all-star. The idea of him and Jaron Jackson Jr. evolving together and being on that timeline together is pretty good. I saw the outfit he wore at the draft, so I knew he was fearless, confident guy. And look, he's gone out and shown it 100%. Up next, we're going to talk about Patrick Beverly giving a warning from the league for flopping, just the third warning <laughs> handed out all season, and we will discuss whether we should get more of this in the NBA. This was pretty remarkable. Again, he put his whole self into it. Patrick Beverly does not do anything halfway. First, though, it's time for our second distant replay of the day. Mr. LeBron James, this date, 2008. Take a look. 
Old Cavs, LeBron. Ooh, got to say. I didn't think he was going to get there. My, my. Oh, help my, me. my, my. A little help me up from church on Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. Wally Zerbiak is going to be there. He's three for three with left hand. Wow. Oh, not just oh, that off. Look at that. Crunch time here on the jump. Zaire Wade and Bronny James made their debuts with Sierra Canyon yesterday. 91 to 44 win over Montgomery. Uh, does it make you feel old, Mac, to watch these kids play? Nope. Mine is in middle school. Right. So. My kids. The Bronny kids. Pretty good. See, Dwayne has time, so he was at the game. <laughs> Whereas LeBron posted a photo of him watching on a monitor screen because he was... Just being a good dad. Um, awesome. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I love seeing the, these Plan, kids play together. Playing in that type of environment, oh, they're going to be so ready when they get up in college and to the pros. Now, here's why it doesn't feel watching him make him feel old, because Mac played with Del Curry, and then he's been watching Steph Curry for so <laughs> right. long. Hey, look, the Suns have lost three straight games, two of which came without Ricky Rubio. So, Zach, how important is Ricky to the Suns? I mean, we saw this movie last year when they didn't have a legit point guard, and apologies to Tyler Johnson, who's kind of a hybrid. Javon Carter's a backup. They couldn't win. And so, yeah, they need Ricky Rubio. Well, that was their problem the last few years, not having a solid point guard. I mean, this guy orchestrates everything, and it makes Devin Booker and, you know, those other players' life a lot easier. So he needs to get back. I was in Phoenix earlier this week, and, and Ricky is just such a he's such a calming influence. He knows every situation. Um, they had a lot of point guards at one point, Mac, and then they had no point guards because, you know, apparently, yeah. Uh, let's talk about Patrick Beverly receiving a flop warning. For this play against Jason Tatum back on Wednesday, uh, the slow-mo is really where you get it here. Well, how is that a flop, though? He actually hit the man he in the face. He did touch There was contact, right? right. There was so contact. Why is that a warning? He slapped the man. He, I, he did not slap That's him. a pretty good one right there. Can we, right? Please, can, can we go back to that play? He slapped him in the face. <laughs> he did not slap him. His hand touched his face. But this yes, is a slap. Reaction. We've had some good flops as we're. Okay, here you go. That's, here a, you slap. that's a That's a. That's something. I agree with T Max. Okay, something. but wouldn't his face go the other See, direction? We're, we're watching the same thing. Wouldn't his face. Look at. Look. Okay, watch. I think that's that terrible. one is a flop. I think what we should do is get Jason Tatum in here and <laughs> slap us all in the face and see how we feel about it. See how we react. <laughs> oh. See, see how we have differences. We're, we're watching the same video. We are video, watching the same thing. And it's you the have problem difference with America of opinion. right now, T oh Mac. We're all watching the you don't same think thing that was and a slap? different things. I you, think you think that, that was a flop? I think that, that Jason Tatum definitely touched his face. Oh, and that if he had just gone down, it might have been called Rachel, or called differently. But Raquel then Nichols. when he moves his face away from the hand and then in the other direction. That's the that's direction just, change. That's just really the like. That's just acting. Well, that's what the, the warning is You have to play for. it up a little bit. But I do like that they're doing the flop warnings again. I like that they're doing that again. Yeah, it's only the third one this year. and we've They seen did zero things. for a long to time. To Pat Bev's credit, we have seen more egregious flops yes, this we have. season that have not been warned. That wasn't so. a flop, Pat. There you go. Paul George told reporters today he wants to retire as a Clipper. Take a listen. This journey is good. This journey is, is, you know, it's been a blessing. Not a lot of people get to say they played back home. Um, and honestly, I'm hoping this is the closing of my journey uh, to be able to finish here in L.A. So, um, you know, this it's, is a great, great chapter, great uh, last part of my, my book, hopefully. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to doing big things. Here. Tracy, do you buy PG staying with the Clippers the rest of his career? Yeah, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to stay home, right? I mean, I I wanted that luxury until bad management 
Um, they have great management here with the Clippers. I don't see him going anywhere. I mean, he did say L.A. Oh, God. Look at you <laughs> starting. No, I, of course I buy it. This is, his, this is his third team, and it's it's set up to be good for a long time. It's a well-run franchise, great organization, great front office. He should, like, I agree with Tracy. He should want to stay. I buy it. I completely believe he wants to stay. Going home, very important to him. I don't think players should say this stuff. I just think there's too much you don't know what's going to happen. Nope. Late in career. I think Paul George is going to have but a he just said, I career. swear, I thought I was going to stay in Orlando right? the rest he of my career. He just said he hopes. He hopes. I know, but this stuff, look, he talked about wanting to stay in Indiana, and then they used that against him when he was trying to leave. I just think that, I, I just I, I just enjoy what's in front of you right now. It's wonderful to be home, he can say, and yeah. then league pass game of the night, Celtics at Nuggets. Nikola Jokic. One of the league's best centers, 27 points, and that went over the Rockets two nights ago. Looked really strong. The Celtics have made a habit of putting Marcus Smart on big late in games. So, Zach, do you think we're getting Smart versus Jokic tonight? I think there'll be some switches where Marcus Smart is on Jokic. Marcus Smart might even demand to guard Jokic. But you know what? Jokic is not going to care. Marcus Smart will get in your you-know-what. But mm-hmm. Jokic is a big dude, and he will. He, he's not going to be phased. Jokic doesn't get phased by lots of stuff. No, he's pretty confident. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart can guard him out on the perimeter, but... Mm-hmm. In the interior, he has no chance. If we get aggressive Jokic, he definitely has, doesn't have a chance. I don't want the passive Jokic, you know, that we've been seeing. Well, we saw it in the beginning. He's been better the last two or three weeks. Yeah, but what? How many games are we in? 14 games? Mm-hmm. Nah, we, like, he needs to be that from the jump. Mm-hmm. I've, I have been impressed with Mark, what Marcus Bart has been doing all over the floor defensively, but particularly on bigs. I mean, he's taking guys who are 40 point pounds heavier than him. He's a monster. Right? He's so tough. He's will. So, so tough. Yeah. So smart. This is going to be interesting. I'm afraid. interested in this stretch for the Celtics, too, because they did have the third easiest schedule in the NBA going into that game against the Clippers. Lost that game in overtime, obviously. Now they have this tough game against Denver. The schedule's getting tougher, so we will see what they do. Let's talk, though, about the Celtics and the Nuggets long term. Producer Steve came up with this this morning. I liked it. Who's got a better chance to reach the finals this season, the Celtics or the Nuggets? Now, we're not saying these will be the teams in the finals. Just who do you think has the better chance to get there? Well, obviously going to take the Celtics because they're in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's the number one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll take the Celtics because offensively and defensively, I think they're more balanced than Denver is equated as as a team. You just got to pick the team in the East. (laughs) Pick the team that's in the East. It's just easier. I mean, there's just no way. If you're asking probabilistically who's got a better chance, it's the team in the East. Right. Sorry. I mean, you always got to go with that. Denver could have a hard – Denver could – you don't know who you're facing in the first round in the West. Right. Could be a hard series. You want to face Luka and Porzingis in the first round? I think that if when the the – before the season started, a lot of people would have picked the Nuggets in this question. To your point, I think the Celtics now look enough like contenders. You have to then throw the East factor in there and say, "Yeah, they would." I don't know. No. No. No, you're not. But you're still not buying it with the Nuggets. I'm saying not. No, no, no. I'm saying beginning of the season, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people would have picked the Nuggets over the Celtics. I think I, I picked the Nuggets to get the number one seed in the West. I, not not to come out of the West, but to get the number one seed. And one thing that has I changed. I too. <laughs> <laughs> One, look at the two of you. <laughs> one thing that has changed, though, that has made the West a little less insane is that the Warriors have fallen away. Because everybody feared that, oh, Clay's going to get healthy. That's going right. to be the eighth seed nobody wants to face. So you do have a shot 
at maybe a little bit of an easier first-round series. You also have Portland, who I know no one picked to win the title this year, but they were the Western Conference finalists last year, and they certainly don't look like they're going to be that this year. So the West has moved around. It's more spongy than people spongy. thought. Yeah, but right? those top spongy. teams are, are pretty damn good. They, they are. <laughs> <laughs> they're really good. Absolutely. This just in at the buzzer. David Griffin talking about Zion Williamson today. Take a listen. He's on schedule. He's progressing exactly as we had hoped he would. And when he had his surgery, when you when you piece it together and you say six to eight weeks, you can just map out where eight weeks would be. Right now, I think we're on we're on target for eight weeks. He's in a really good space with his with his rehab, and he's he's back in New Orleans with our staff and and using all of the things that we have available to us at the facility. And he's getting better literally every day. So we're we're really optimistic. All right, so expected to return in kind of a little month or so. Um, are you upbeat on Zion's return? Griff's voice is so soothing. I feel better just hearing Griff's voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, everyone can't wait to see the guy play. He's tailor-made for the modern NBA. It'll be interesting to see how much they use him at center so you can just rampage up and down the middle of the floor. But, yeah, yeah I mean, let's see him play. I can't wait. What do you think? No, I, I want him to get back um, because I don't want J.J. Reddick's uh, playoff streak to end. That's right. <laughs> you were invested. Invested <laughs> yeah. in J.J. No pressure. In the playoffs ever. Um, you know a lot about coming back from a knee injury, though. What do you sort of have to weigh and, and sort of monitor in your own recovery? Well, I wasn't 285 pounds, right? So, I mean, for him. <laughs> no, I'm just, just saying. Yeah. Uh, the, the I think style the Pelicans are hoping he's not 285 when yeah, he's it's, again it's, this year. And, and it's tough with him being out because it's a knee injury. How much right. cardio can you do? I mean, you could get in the pool, but... It's going to take him some time, man. I would love to see him down to about 260, but um, nothing should change with him in terms of his style of play. Do you, when you come back from something like that, are you like, what, what is that first game like? Are you a little worried about putting Well, I, the I never tore anything. Like, right. I never had an ACL, no joints. I mean, it's just cartilage. Mine was just, you know, right. just damaged over the years, you know what I mean? And he actually tore something in his knee. I, I you know. It's a difference. It is. It's a difference. It's different. I am interested. There's room now for the Pelicans. I think when they started a little shaky, especially after he was hurt, people said, oh, we thought they might be a playoff team, but we're not sure. Who knows what's happening in those last two or three spots in the West, And right? they're still banged up in winning games. It's not like they're fully healthy now. Not even just Zion. Favors was out. Josh Hart was out last night. They still won. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to give a quick congrats before we go. 30 years with TNT, Ernie Johnson. They had a brass band outside for him wow. at the studio. This was pretty awesome. They had Jeff Foxworthy, who's a friend of his, come and emcee a little event. Chuck and the guys all gave little speeches. His family was there. That's I great. This was such well nice deserved. Ernie, well one deserved. of the class Congrats, guys in Ernie. our game. Absolutely. Congrats Love that to guy. him and everyone else out there.